This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Bro Show. This is behind the still curtain editor, Dave Schofield, coming at you. It's Tuesday night. It's just after nine. Well, it's a little bit af- further after nine than normal. Uh, sorry about that. And uh, where else would you rather be than here with us talking Steelers football family style with me? As always, is my big brother, Rich. Rich, we're all waiting for it. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Breathing that sweet smell of victory after Woo! I got to after I got to breathe it in at Heinz Field last night. Oh man, that that venue you could just tell on TV it was crazy. I had BF Bud messaging me before the game. You messaged me. I didn't want to message him after the game. I didn't want to mess with him there. But he messaged me this morning about everything. He was there in my seats. You got to see him. Yep. You were there in your seats. And I noticed when, when Ben was going around the stadium, I'm like, uh, there's a lot of people still there. <laughs> there's a lot of people still there. Yeah, um, pro- probably half the stadium stuck around through all that. Yeah, so this is what we're going to do first. We're going to do this to start. I know some people might you know, might be coming in late. Well, guess what? We're starting slightly later. Sorry that there was – I had some issues, some technical issues, not with the show. It was dealing with uh, an article that I do uh, on Wednesday mornings dealing with uh, Coach Tomlin's press conference and issues I was having there had to, you know, call in one Jefferson Hartman to help me out, but I got that all squared away. We are ready to go. I just want you to tell me about your experience at the stadium last night. Uh, Well, first uh, I got to go out there and say it was great to meet BF bud last night. Um, uh, Come to find out, you know, he went to the Cincinnati game and and had gotten my tickets for, for my seats for the Cincinnati Mm -hmm. game. And he came back for the Cleveland game. Uh, both times, game. <laughs> yep. Both times he and his wife have come into Pittsburgh. They go to the Hard Rock Cafe over in Station Square and take the Clipper over to the yeah. game. Um, interesting enough, uh, back when he went to the Cincinnati game and was in the Hard Rock Cafe, um, people were uh, mistaking him for Pittsburgh Dad, <laughs> and uh, he had no clue who Pittsburgh Dad was. He sent me a message. So, so, so yeah. the bartender had to show him a video of Pittsburgh Dad, and he was like, "Oh, uh, whatever." I he sent said, him a picture of Pittsburgh Dad. <laughs> so then they go back last night, and he said it happened again. He said all these people were coming, up, "Oh, Pittsburgh Dad, oh, let me buy you a drink." Blah blah. And he's like, "No, like not the guy," you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, here's. But I'm hold serious, on. Before you go on. I, I don't want to lose this comment because one Mark Davidson from Australia says, love Hard Rock Cafe. I've been there in Station Square. Yeah. So even one oh, of my. the Aussies has been there yep. as well. So, yep. yeah. So go ahead. Uh, we, so, we, well, I, I messaged him. He's like, 
he sent me a picture of him and his wife. I'm like, dude, he does look like Pittsburgh dad. Yeah. So that that was but great. We, we catch we catch a boat, head over to the stadium. Um, just the atmosphere, and we the boat we ended up going over on was the little one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, the, you mean like the the good the ship little, lollipop? <laughs> yeah, the good ship lollipop, totally open or whatever. Yeah. But that whole boat was already just mm-hmm. buzzing, like like it was a different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um. And you got over to to the stadium, and it was the same way. It it just felt different, sounded different. It was just interesting. Um, I'll tell you what was more interesting than any of the other three games I went to at, at Heinz Field this year. That's right, because you are undefeated. Correct, undefeated for, two, for, two, for two thousand the two thousand twenty one season. So all right. season went to four. Hey, games. I was undefeated as well. I only went to two, but they won both of them. Yep. But they were also two of the same games you went to. So yep. <laughs> we just didn't sit together for both of them. All right, go ahead. But anyway, um, compared to the other three games, yeah, you know, that I went to, which was the Broncos, the Bears, and the Titans, and the Titans game was pretty electric. Yeah, I don't but, think it came no, anywhere. No, 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 no. But compared, compared, comparatively speaking, you know, in each of those three games, I saw a lot more fans of the other teams mm-hmm. than I saw last night in Pittsburgh for okay. Cleveland. There were a few Cleveland fans here and there, not many, oh. com- compared to those other three games. Uh, the Steeler fans really held their tickets and and showed up and went to see Ben. And I think that's part of what changed the entire atmosphere. I mean, it was just awesome. Um, mm-hmm. You know, then the, the message, what was that? 45? No, longer than that. About an hour before the game, the message for, you know, Mr. Rooney, Art Rooney, the second came out on the field and did a message that went over the Jumbotron thanking Ben for everything. Um and for those of you who are wondering, that was that was it was not recorded. He came out on the field and made that because I saw someone on one of the stories on uh was it a story on BTS? No, it was on the um Steel Blood of Hampton Roads mm-hmm. Facebook page. Somebody was like, So where was the owner during Ben's last game? Blah blah blah. He was there. Yeah. Okay, he was there, but he was not coming, he was not being front and center because to yeah. to to Dan Rooney or to Art Rooney the second, um he in what I would call typical Rooney style. That day was not about him; it was yeah. about Ben, and yeah. he just stayed in the shadows. So, um, but the game itself, fantastic. Um, what's funny? I don't know how it was for you. You at home? Okay. Yeah. There was this was a zero heart attack game for me. Uh, the only time was when they cut it back to where it was still within one score. And they had the ball. They had the ball down six. And I wasn't heart attacking yet because there was lots of time. And I and I did the knee-jerk reaction article because yep. you were at the game. And I even said, I'm like, get some points on this drive so it's more than one score and I can breathe a little bit easier. You know? I, I will tell you, well, I want to say a couple things. First of all, this was a little bit disappointing for me because – this was the first time since I got season tickets in 2015 that I didn't go to the last game of the season at, at Heinz Field. I've been to every other final game at Heinz Field of the season. Um, 
I'm pretty sure I, I there might have been one in there that I had to switch my tickets because I couldn't sell the Patriots tickets. Um, but I but I like I've I've went and watched I went and watched Landry Jones, you know, with you know, throwing throwing touchdowns in overtime to Kobe Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I I like going to that last game. It's general. It used to be like right before New Year's or right around New Year's, kind of like this one. Um, and I like the time of year, but I didn't do it this time because it was prime time. Yeah. And I had gone to the 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 you know obviously I didn't go to any games in 2020, but in 2019, counting the preseason because I took my daughter to a preseason game, I went to four games, and the earliest kickoff was the one you and I went to, which was four. 425. Every other game I went to was a set was the 730 preseason game or, or after eight o'clock for the other two. And man, that last one with the with the Buffalo game where I went with bad getting home at 5 a.m. I'm like, I just can't do that. It was, you know, my my son was it was his first day no, back to school. The Titan, the Titan, hey, the Titans game was at one o'clock. No, no, no. No, I said in 2019. Oh, in 2019. 2019. In 2019. So when I planned out the, my games to go to this year, I was like, I want one o'clock games because I didn't have any that year. So yeah. I gave up the notion. But it was so funny because I said to myself, you know, if I can't get rid of the tickets, if no one wants to go to that last one, I guess I'll just make arrangements and blah, blah, blah. So when BF Bud wanted the tickets, I was like, there you go. I didn't want to have to mess with primetime, but boy, I did miss being there. That would have been fantastic. Well, I even, it was so funny because I even said to Jeff Hartman, I'm like, um, you want to have um, behind the steel curtain.com go dark for four hours and you and I, you know, take, take the hour and a half trip down the road to Baltimore for the very last game. I'm like, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather leave what happened uh, last night yep. on TV being Heinz Field, I'd rather have that be my experience more than ruin it by having to go to that disgusting place. That and there's, uh, I'm telling you, it's terrible. eighty. It's supposed to rain all day on Sunday. It's supposed yeah. to rain all day, in in um on Sunday. So that's going to be yucky to deal with uh, with the Steelers and Ravens, which we will get to eventually. Uh, but, but I will tell you, me, that tell game you. just felt different the whole time. It didn't yeah. feel like the same Steelers team. So I know what you're saying. It didn't feel like they were giving you a heart attack. It just felt different so go ahead um quick little story about my tickets i offered i, I hope you're listening to this tomorrow honey <laughs> renee <laughs> listens to the podcast the day after um, and speaking of which happy belated birthday yes um, actually my, my wife let me take a friend to the game last night on her birthday on her birthday now just so everybody knows which it's like, I'm going to tell a story. And there was a point where she told me to hold on to these tickets. And I said, well, are you going to go with me? She said, well, I'll go. If you can't find somebody else, don't you have somebody else you want to take? And then I said, my friend, Tim. And she was like, oh yes, take him. So yeah. And then I took today off of work. Cause I got home at 10 minutes till four this morning. <laughs> and, uh, and you're way closer than I am. So yeah. I'm saying if I'd have been there and been traveling but with you. I offered yeah. I offered these tickets to sell to Renee's co-worker and her husband, who are big Steeler fans, who brought me the the uh, Centennial Classic little tab with all the pictures from yeah. uh, Hall of Fame game because they went. Yeah. So for those of you on podcast form, it's in it's in Rich's background that he yeah. has a, a nice little thing from the Hall of Fame game where they went up to that. 
Yep. And um, so I'd offered them to them and, and she was at first, she was like, well, it could be cold or da, da, da. And finally he was like, yeah, you're right. The weather will probably be lousy, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of days ago, he was like, oh, we should, she, he's like, we should have looked for tickets for this game or blah, blah, blah. And she reminded him, um, we were offered tickets for this game. We turned them down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, Boy, I've, am I glad they turned them down. I, I know. I know exactly what you mean. It would have been, I mean, I, I missed that I wasn't there just because I've gone to so many last games of the season. But at the same time, knowing who was sitting in my seats and BF Buddy even says, hey, I'm in, I'm in Lucky 17. I'm in your seat. I'm like, wonderful. Knowing who was sitting there makes all the difference in the world for me. Sure does. So um, instead, I had my my new – oh, man, I should have had it with me down here. My new oversized terrible towel. That's something that I've wanted for a long time. I now have a beach towel terrible towel because I'm a big dude. I need a big terrible towel, and I wave that puppy. I don't use it as a beach towel. I use it as a terrible towel. Uh, let, let me so- tell you this. <laughs> I am suffering today with sore shoulder. Okay? From waving? Last night at the game – there was probably three times the amount of terrible towel waving of any game I've been to. Yeah. And my arm was sore this morning from whipping that towel around so much. I'll be honest with you. I, cause I always keep an eye on my section whenever I'm watching on TV to see, you know, Oh, Hey, there's my seats. That's where it would be right there. A lot of times I looked and people were standing Were people standing a lot for that. Now I know it's different up up in the upper than nope. in the lower, but were people the in the upper standing most of the game? Um, a lot of the game, a solid half of the game, not just on yeah. big plays. Uh, there were there were times where whole drives people were just standing up. Yeah, um, so. but part of that too is because it was cold. Okay. <laughs> it was- I, I know we have Steelers stuff to talk about, but I'm sorry for those of you that are listening. If any of you were there that are in the live chat, make sure you say that. Hey, I was there. Blah blah blah. I just love talking about the experience of being there. Sorry, I got to okay. bring this up. This is my yeah. friend Tim who went with me to the game last Tim, night. Tim, that was with you. All right. Uh, okay. Tim, Tim was saying his shoulder was sore last night. Yes, he yeah. was actually talking about his shoulder being sore last night. I said, you're not used to swinging that terrible towel so much. So. Well, see, and, and with me, I have to I have to look at I, I still could have. I found out recently that uh, my – activities of my youth, meaning football, shot put, throwing the hammer, all those things have ruined my shoulders. Uh, I'll never be able to throw a ball overhand ever again. My, I, I found out recently the the only way, my only surgical route is a shoulder replacement, and I still wouldn't be able to, to throw as well. So I have to be really careful. But for that game, I don't care if I would have had to maneuver my arm around and up. I would have been waving that. T- I was waving the towel at home. I was waving the towel. I don't. The, the nice thing about home is you don't have to worry about people hitting you with the towel. And I will tell you, when people hit me with their towel at the stadium because I'm tall, I don't care. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's Russ. Russ was at the game yesterday. Russ, I wish I'd known you were there. I would have liked to catch up with you. Uh, it's been a while. Um, but he also said no voice. Yeah, I got out of the game mm-hmm. and was drinking constantly until I got home. I've been drinking all day just to make sure I had enough voice to be able to do this podcast tonight. Yeah. So yeah, now everyone's going to ask, so Rich, what were you drinking? <laughs> That's uh, going to be the next. <laughs> cheer wine, water, coffee. There, there you, go. you go. There you go. So, so we've got oh, to do this. Wait, I got to bring another one up. Okay. Steelers Pittsburgh says big bro <laughs> pull, pull his groin. <laughs> No, don't pull. Because, yeah, that's 
found out Terrell Edmonds is now dealing with the groin. You know, there's got to be someone deal with the groin every week. Before we go on and talk about, you know, the specific more the X's, the O's, everything else, I want you to talk about the experience of being in the stadium when that, well, first of all, how great was the trade Norwood interception? Okay. Did you want Najee to – okay, i got to back it up more. Okay. Najee not – because Najee's running towards your end zone. Correct. So he's running towards – so I'm like BF Bud. He's coming at yes. BF Bud. He's he, coming at, at my – like even on that sideline. I'm not right. down the sideline. I'm more the hash. I'm just out, you know, uh, I'm just outside the, the uprights. But it was more towards that corner. Were you thinking he's going to go down, he's going to go down, or are you thinking get in the touchdown zone? Tim is Tim is there with me. Tim's wanting him to get down. I had predicted when the Steelers recovered the onside kick, I said the Steelers can't just kneel on it. They got to get a first down. Yep. Or they have to give the ball back. I said, so they're going to run it. I said, Cleveland's going to stack the box. I said, if Najee can break a tackle or two at the line, there won't be anybody left to stop him. Mm-hmm. And on the third down play, boom, he busts through. I wanted him to score. It's it's the same thing as what happened when the Steelers hosted, I think it was when they hosted the Cowboys, and they had to and, and they were in field goal range. Uh, this was oh my goodness, what was this five or six years ago? Um, and might not have been that long ago, but I remember Cam Hayward was injured, all that stuff, and they're like, Oh, Ezekiel Elliott busted a 30 yard yard run. Well, the Steelers were selling out to stop them to try to not give up the extra yard to, to give anything else for a field goal. At that time, if if you do that, then you're almost better letting them score, you know. And they didn't let him score, but he just busted through and was gone. So you wanted him to score. Okay. I wanted him to score. I had him in my fantasy football championship. I put this in the oh, knee-jerk reaction. Do you know what? Do you I know what? One though, I already won by a ton before he before kickoff, so it didn't even matter. But I thought that was funny. Did you hear what Najee said about that after the game? He's like, Ben told me to get down. Like, nah. he, said, he said, Ben told me to get down, and then he kind of gave his kind of, you know, sheepish grin and yeah. said, but I didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was great. My thought is oh. that poor guy mm-hmm. has run hard this year and has earned every yard that he has gotten. Okay. He had 188 yards last night. He had 181 yards after contact. It's, it seemed like it. Well, I'll be honest. No, with that's you. what was reported by oh, Stan reported? Match after yeah. the game. Well, I was listening to that coming home, and that's what they. I don't understand they because there were a few times he would he was he was hitting the backfield, so right. that's why it makes sense because there was yes. times where he had holes and he had no. Lanes. Now, now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm he gonna, hit the right spots more than I've ever now, seen him do it all season. Everybody says about, wow, oh, the offensive line, the offensive line. The, I'm going to tell you this the offensive line was better, but not great. Okay. Mm-hmm. The pass blocking was horrible. Hmm. Okay. In the run game, they weren't so much giving Najee holes, but they were giving him creases. Yes. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'd seen, I've seen too many times this year where Najee goes to run and we've got three guys blocking it and, and there's just a wall of guys and there's nothing to get mm-hmm. through. Najee was able to, to get places where he could kind of, I would say, give a little shimmy sideways and squeeze his way through mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and that's all that guy needs. That's what's awesome. Is He just needs just a little glimmer of light somewhere to get through. 
Um, and 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 the line was blocking enough last night for him to have those spots, and he was hitting them. Well, and the other thing I felt with the line when you were watching it on TV, it felt like it's all about you know, what I call the point of contact. It's, you know, who gets the push? Where is the group of bodies? Is the group of bodies at the line of scrimmage? Is the group of bodies in your backfield? Is the group of bodies downfield? Too many times for the Steelers this season, the group of bodies were in, were one to two yards deep. Yep. I did not feel like last night, I don't know that they got huge push all the time. There were times that they got push, but there were other times where they did a good job of holding their ground. So if you're talking about Najee Harris hitting a crease at the line of scrimmage versus then versus having to hit a crease two yards in the backfield, that's a big difference with what you yes. can do and, and what the linebackers they were supposed to tackle you are going to do. Yeah, and that was the thing. We were we were sometimes getting some push, but we were always holding the line. Yeah, and that was big. Um, so you know offensively it was nice to see that from the running game last night it also goes to show that when you can get five yards on first down what kind of good things can happen from there yeah i had some frustrations with some things at times we'll get to that because yep. first i want to do a super chat and then i want to move on to to finish out the experience of the night and then i want to break down some some certain things but sure first first we got two dollars in the tip jar from our buddy tyler w who was there with us at the tennessee game he yep. says calling it Najee, 2,000 yards next year if he stays healthy. Um, if you say, if you say combine yard, you know, yards from scrimmage, yeah. yeah, I could, I could, I can definitely see that going at it for rushing. Not that he can't, not that he can't. You got to see what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do at quarterback yeah. and at the offensive and line offensive in line. order for it. He's capable of it, but he's also got to have the right circumstances. So yep. I can. Oh, sorry about that. As I knock he, my mic with my hat, I, I, I he, can see it. Yeah, you know, he he is sitting over eleven hundred yards right now because he only he was mm -hmm. only six yards shy of a thousand going into the game. His first two rushes were each for three yards, put him that mm -hmm. so he's well up over eleven hundred. You know that's that's solid. Yep. Um, so it's good to see. Okay, so I wanted your thoughts on the Najee Harris. Scored, scored the touchdown. I was happy to see him score because I'm like, I actually put it that I in the article. I said that could be. I said likely Ben Roethlisberger's, and it was likely his last play as a Steeler was a touchdown. He just didn't throw it. He, you know, handed off. You mean at Heinz Field? His last play at Heinz Field. At Heinz yeah. Field. At Heinz Field. At Heinz Field. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself with that. Then the interception. Anything particular in stadium and whatnot when the interception happened? Well, see, Tim was so badly wanting uh, Ben to be Ben's last play to be there in victory formation, which I understood. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And there was a question whether it's not going to happen. As Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? The last few weeks, now even Cleveland fans know that now. For the longest time, they were in denial when they thought he was so great, and now now they know. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, when he throws the ball, at the guy the guy was, you know, open enough that I thought it was going to be a completed pass and first down, and that was, but it pretty much was going to end the ball game. Um, because no timeouts that would have been in the field. Right. Right. Just the Norwood just happened to hit him and and kind of pop the ball up in the air. 
and it was able to snag it. I mean, it reminded me almost a little bit of the Joe Hayden play a couple weeks ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. at the Tennessee game, um, which they called which it a was, they called it a fumble, but it didn't hit the ground. It would have been an interception either way. So yeah, right. Um, this one was more of an interception. I'm not sure he had totally completed everything, and if the ball had hit the ground, they'd have probably called it incomplete. Mm-hmm. But it didn't hit the ground, so it didn't matter. And then it was like I just started screaming, and it turned. I was like, "Yeah, Ben gets his victory formation." You know, um, fitting way to end that ball game. Now, you might not have realized this. They talked about it on TV. They took the knee. Coach Tomlin tried to call a timeout to let him do it again, but I, that, everyone was on the field. And he's like, no, no, "Yeah, no, St- yeah Stan yeah. Saver and Charlie Bash were talking about that in the after yeah. in their uh, their show after the game." Um, but it was, I, I don't, Ben would have done that, but I don't think Ben was okay without that. Yeah. He, no, he didn't no need two kneel one. downs. He was fine with one. Yep. Well, yep. no, that, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And what went on then after that's the game? What, that's what we're getting to. Here we are 25 minutes in. We'll get to everything else. Tell us about everything. Once the game ended and the experience in stadium. Well, first of all, there were just so many more cameras and, and photographers and folks there at the game. And you just watch this. And of course they all wear those little Brown vesty things. And you see this swarm on the field and you do that. You get yes, that with nationally televised games anyway. And then yeah, you throw this in. And it was even right. Up. And so it was even more. And you knew the SBN was going to interview him. So they did that. And, that happened, but then you watch that whole swarm move and you kept looking, picking Ben out in amongst all of them. And of course, they had it on the Jumbotron so you could see what was going on. And, you know, he just walks over to the sideline. He spends some time over there and he's waving to the fans because every, we're all, everybody in there is chanting, you know, thank you, Ben. You know, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Um, and, uh, and then he sat on the bench for a minute. And then he got up and he kind of did that little. I caught a victory lap, but really it was only about a quarter of the stadium. He went around where it was easiest to reach and was high-fiving yep. fans and just, you know, um, taking a moment and then back over towards the bench and sat there for a little bit. And then eventually over towards the tunnel. And he goes over there, his kids were there and his wife was there. And I'm guessing some other, other relative, yeah, some other close relatives were there. And, um, but then to me, the cool thing was eventually it was, it was like, okay, it's time. We're going to leave the field. And they start walking back through the tunnel and they allowed one, I'm guessing it was a you know, stadium or something, you know, a cameraman. Cause it was on the jumbotron to follow and, and walk back the tunnel with them. And so they're walking back the tunnel and they start to turn the corner to the right. And you see the lighted hallway, which I believe is down just outside the locker room. And all you can see is the silhouette of Ben, Ben's wife, Ben, they're holding hands. I think it's one of Ben's little girl, his little girl, you know, holding her hand and the other two kids. And they're just walking just this silhouette of this family walking down this tunnel. And as they're walking down the tunnel, as they got closer, closer to the light, they just faded it out on the jumbotron. And there was probably not a dry eye in the place. (laughs) You know, it was just, it was something just, it, it was something I was glad I was there to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
it was at home. It was the, you know they were following and everything as well. You you heard the announcement. I some people listen to the Manning cast. I stuck with the regular broadcast, but I DVR'd the Manning cast that I want to go back and listen to hopefully tomorrow um, because I didn't want to get distracted from the game um, thinking too much about what they were saying, if you know what I mean, because to me, they're the entertainment, not as much as the football is. So that's yeah, they're, why. They're, they're great to watch when, when it's a game that's not mm-hmm. the Steelers. Yeah, when it's a game that you're not totally feeling you have to be into. So Yeah. Yeah, but it was, I mean, just a a great moment. You could see so many people were there. So historic, you're going to remember it. And it's just, it it really is sad. I was depressed going into the game, man. I was getting sad. I was like, is this the last time? Is this really, you know, at Heinz Field? And it's, you know, what I've always experienced. I mean, I the first touchdown I ever saw of Ben Roethlisberger in person was in 2004 on December 26th against the Baltimore Ravens. It was um, to Plexico Burris, which helped them defeat the Baltimore Ravens and win the AFC North and the number one seed because they went 15-1 and that season. The last one I saw was a quarterback sneak <laughs> against Tennessee. So now you – but you also got to see, you know, the one – and that was kind of nice going back to Deontay after he had had a couple drops – so now let's actually break down the game because the Steelers got another game to play. So now we need to look at take away the emotion, take away everything else, and let's look at how the Steelers played, what they did, what they can do for next week, and all that. So here we are, 30 minutes into the show. Let's double check the title here. But I'm sorry, we just had to talk about that experience. It was just too much. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I was going to title the show like that, but it kind of seemed um that uh the uh the Steelers hangover that went earlier tonight was, was talking a little bit more about the end of an era and stuff like that. So I don't want to go with that title. Um, I wanted to talk about the game itself about the Steelers. They got it done the Steelers way. Now, what do I mean by that? This, a lot of people were like the Steelers got away from the Steelers way recently. What the Pittsburgh Steelers are known for are this, and that's not what been working for the Steelers, but that's what worked last night. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. What and what would that be? Uh, the running game was there, mm-hmm. and the defense was fantastic. There you go. And it's so funny because everyone's talking about everything with all oh, well, Stefanski blew it. He didn't run Chubb enough. Everything else. I'm going to say yes and no. Other than the one really big run that Chubb had on his second carry, Robert Spillane set the tone of this game. When on Nick Chubb's first carry, he got it. He came through and blew him up for a yeah. two-yard loss. Yeah, and he was, and that wasn't the only time Chubb went for a loss. Coach Tomlin was talking about this, and I mentioned this on on the on the today's press conference recap podcast that that they were that they put him behind the change, which meant they couldn't do what they normally do. And it wasn't just penalties or things, and it wasn't just this. They just had so many negative plays against the Browns. On first down, they would try to run on first down, and the Steelers would throw them for a loss. Boom. And, and there was something else that the Steelers were doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. It was almost like last night the Steelers took a page out of um, the what, – what do they call them? The dirty pile of laundry in the corner – the mumbling dirty pile of laundry in the corner? 
a coach from up north. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know they they took uh, they took a page out of his book. I think the Steelers were making a conscious decision last night that Nick Chubb was not going to beat them. Okay, yeah. and the reason I say that is this: you had Spillane in there, basically looking and trying to to do him up and knock down the running. Okay. Anytime it looked like it was going to be a passing situation. He was out. No, he, he no, he was not. Well, he, they tried to get him out a lot they, of times. They tried to get him out. Okay. But put it this way. The Steelers had a plan for the running backs mm-hmm. for Cleveland, all of them yeah. in the running game as well. Do you know what that was? And that was Marcus Allen. Yeah. See, Marcus Allen was yeah. matched up. The Steelers played more man last night than I'd seen them play in a while. Yes. And Marcus Allen was almost always locked up one-on-one with the running back. Yeah. And then they were using UG3 at the end there. He had – Yes. He, he was doing all right. But what it is – like, I was looking – you know, I'm I'm doing the PFF grade articles for tomorrow because they, they're they a day later because the game was a day later. Spillane had uh, an out-of-this-world – run defense grade. You know, one of the better ones I've seen all season for anybody. Now he just had a above average grade because his coverage grade was low. Like that. Well, I love your line. First come what in in the Spillane, give us Spillane, take it away. (laughs) I loved your line in there because Tim and Tim and I talked about it at the game. It's like, yeah, Spillane is blowing it up on the run, but he's costing us in the but pass. Notice what they try to do. If this, if the, if the Browns, especially early, like their Baker Mayfield's first completion out of his first eleven passes, his only completion was a twenty-yard gain because they went quickly. So much so that the cameras almost didn't get it. They went quickly because they wanted to keep the Steelers in the defense they were in, because to then try to exploit exploit Spillane, and they yep. did. And they did. So the Steelers yeah. were trying to keep them from being able to do that. But Robert Spillane, he had an 88.6 run defense grade. There was someone else who was really close behind him. Uh, I'm going to guess it was Alex Highsmith. Yes, it was. 86.7, Alex Highsmith. Because he was another guy blowing up stuff. That guy played out of his Mm -hmm. mind. And he got two sacks. (laughs) You know? And and he's the guy that's supposed to get the sacks. He's supposed to stop the run. And he still got the sacks. Tim was upset at the Uh second one. Because he, because the only reason Watt didn't get it is because Highsmith beat him to yep. it. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I said. But I will tell you this: because Tim says here he comes, and I said, nope, too late. <laughs> At first, they did not give the Baker Mayfield slide to TJ Watt. Like when I was looking at the play-by-play, they put a name in there first. I knew it was a sack because he didn't gain anything. I'm like, I wonder who got it. I wonder who oh, got no, it. No, not a, he. He was. They didn't call it a loss, but no. it was. If you don't gain yards when the when the quarterback drops back to pass, right. and he do, and he keeps the ball, it does not gain yardage. It is a sack, even if it's for no right. Game. But that, so, that was when they probably lost a football length. Yeah, they still called it second and ten or whatever yeah. it was. But he they technically he technically slid down behind the line. Yes, and but you really know the truth. What? I don't think TJ Watt was the closest guy there. I think they gave it to him because of everything else. The guy they first gave it to, at least on 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 Yahoo, was because that's where I check in. I'm like, oh, who who got that? Because they're usually the fastest of who has it up. Originally, they had Minka Fitzpatrick because he was right there too. Um, yeah, 
but here's the reason I think it deserved to go at Watt. Okay. He's the reason he slid. <laughs> yes. Baker Mayfield saw TJ Watt and slid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He he caused the slide. He really yeah. did. So that's why it makes sense. If not, TJ Watt was going to get a sack. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. I don't, you know, with, with that one, but man, four sacks, oh. 21 and a half. Okay. Hold on, I, I got, I got to, I got to put Ten, up there, Marky Technically, no, no, Mark. Technically, no. Technically, he only needs one and a half. One and a half. He needs one and a half. So, if he only gets one and a half against Baltimore, I hope he gets the half first. You know what I'm saying? I don't want him to break. If he breaks the record, I don't want him to break it with a half. Um, honestly, I don't, I I don't care. As, to it, I don't think they give it to anybody else. I think as, they just award it to him. As so. bog, as bogus as the sack was that set that record now. Yes, that was, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. So, um, yeah, so that was some of the defense Spillane coach Tallman said today, he was asked a question like, Hey, your inside linebackers, your two starters weren't there. You had other guys filling in. What do you think about their play and, and the success that they had with stop the run game coach Tallman said it perfectly. And he said this, I have it written down right here. Hold on. He said this. He's like, they filled in nice, but it started up front. He gave credit to uh, the defensive front to say, well, of course, Cameron Hayward know? played a, a typical Cameron Hayward game. He had the highest PFF grade of anyone in the Steelers. Do you know who else was playing really well? Who's that? Montrevis Adams? Yes. Yeah. It he's, was and obvious. Is, and that and he the was thing playing is, well. And he's never going to grade as well or things like that. But could you know why? It's called the unsung hero. He had, you know, he had a good pass rush grade. They didn't give him a great run defense grade, but your job as a nose tackle in run defense is to absorb blocks. And I, I really don't think, I think I'm talking well, about PFF grades. There are so many things that they just don't get. And he helped doesn't get, he it, held the pocket. Yeah. You know, some of those sacks were coming because Baker Mayfield had no place to step up into. He's making Baker Mayfield throw away a screen pass because he's over defending the running back. Yeah. It's it's like he again, yeah. he was playing very well last night. Certain folks just really jumped yeah. out at, at and, Tim and I while we're watching the game. And it was interesting. For me, because- he was one that I, I thought was playing really well. I was happy to see him back and playing last mm-hmm. night, and it ended up being I ended up being correct. Yeah. And and being happy to see him back. Yeah. Coach Tom was asked today because, you know, he was asked about, you know, Akella Witherspoon and him taking so long to get acclimated. Coach Tomlin gave a really good answer. He's like, he got on the moving train. There was a lot for him to learn, a lot for him to pick up. And, and, you know, he, he got there when he got there, but he says he wasn't getting a hat because he doesn't play special teams. And we needed our reserve corners to be guys, to be gunners on the punt team. Right. So, he needed someone. Joe Hayden going down is what gave Witherspoon the opportunity to show what he can do, and he was more of the insurance policy anyway in case someone went down. And and you run and well, it not only did it take that, it it took that to get him a helmet, and then it took James Pierre not having the best of time. And a, a Witherspoon just he grabbed that, and James Pierre's now an afterthought. You know, yeah. it's all about Witherspoon. But they say it took him a long time. Montrevis Adams had three practices, and he's the starter at nose tackle. And Coach Tomlin said, 
he plays the A gap. There's not much to do there except play the A gap. You, know? <laughs> you don't have you don't have a lot to get acclimated to. All right, Greg, play the A gap. You know, so you're either on this side of the center or on this side of the center. Go go wreak havoc. You know, so I I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, so the defense and I mean there was there at the end. I was that last drive where they went down to score a touchdown. I mean. Okay. That, well, that the never happened. Yeah. Okay. I, I here's why I gripe about both of those pass interference calls. Okay. okay? The entire game, mm-hmm. both sides were doing much. The officials, <laughs> the officials were letting physical play mm-hmm. go on in the secondary. Yeah. Especially, especially on the first call they made against the Steelers on the fourth down play mm-hmm. was the most tickiest, tackiest call you could have made. And after everything they were letting go on, you make that call. And yes, we everybody around us was yelling the same thing. That ball wasn't catchable. It wasn't catchable. Was with. Yeah, it wasn't catchable. And I mean, Joe Hayden, they're like, well, technically, if you want to say he did so, but not based on what they've been calling all game. Not correct. And the same with the Camp Sutton one. If they were, if you're going to allow, because you allow that to happen all game, and you're going to allow the offensive player to come and run in and box out the defender, they were allowing the defender to hold his ground. And the Camp Sutton one, they didn't allow him to do that. He was supposed to just give the ground. Yeah. On that one, and that yeah. was so that was ridiculous. Yep. But the thing is, that, and the other thing for that one, that matter? ball, that ball wasn't thr- <laughs> that ball wasn't thrown to the person Sutton was guarding. It was thrown to the person. Well, the guy caught it out of bounds behind him. I'm you Correct. can't. I, I I couldn't tell which one it was thrown to. I mean, it was you mean th- you could have made an argue either way. Seeing it, seeing yeah. it from where we were in the stadium. Yeah. Now it was far in, but it was right straight down our line. Yeah. The assumption was it was going to the back guy. We didn't. Well, you didn't even notice that front guy. And what was crazy is that on third down and long, the St- Baker Mayfield runs and gets it to be like maybe around a fourth and five. But there was a holding penalty, and I'm like, they're just going to decline this and make it fourth and five. I'm like, you know what? Oh, I don't know if it was it. five. I'm making it up. That it was, was it was less drive. than no. 10. It was five. No, it that was, was a different drive. Was that was no. I'm, I'm talking about a different drive. Yeah. I'm just talking about this decision. I'm like. They're taking them back 10 yards and giving them another play. I'm like, bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it plays out, <laughs> you know? Um, but I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, you know, if you think they're close enough that they'll go forward on fourth or you could send them way back, send them way back. Um, and he did. And then the stadium's wrong. That was after Renegade, you know? That was right after Renegade. And send them back. Then the false start. Then the, I think they gained like two yards on a pass. And then... You know, they're punting out of their end zone and the Steelers get the ball in their own territory after Renegade. Once again, it works. So I, I, that was pretty – I'm like, you really had to think that one through and to accept that penalty. What's funny so. was I said right away when when Mayfield scrambles and gets up there, I, I, I saw the flag. I knew it was a hold. And, and I said – we, you know, everybody around was like, oh, they, they were just like, oh, it won't matter, it won't matter. I said, no, take it, take it, take it. They're yeah. like, what? I said, if we don't take it, they're going for it Yeah, on fourth down. But if we take it and can hold them on third down again better, they'll punt. Yeah, it, exactly. And it worked out and it worked out great. And it's so funny because they played Renegade before that. 
and they had played renegated commercial breaks a couple of times. I kept saying they played a renegated commercial break and it worked out well for the Steelers. And I mean, cause they were, they were setting it up all night that they were going to feature it. They came back when renegade was being played. And I'm like, they, did they come back early? Cause this is the middle no. of renegade. They, no. taped, they, they showed a tape delay and on TV, they showed how much it was rocking in the middle of renegade. And then they cut to when the play was going to start. Um, so they actually also, tried to show it on TV. Also, they messed it up in the stadium. Oh, did they? Yes. Well, why? Because they did it before the kickoff? No. No, you have to do it when there's a commercial break. Is that end of story? Okay. Okay. The commercial break started. Mm-hmm. They they started into something else at the stadium. They had other music and stuff on the video board, and then they cut it, went to the picture of the stadium, and faded it. Uh-huh. That's why, and they ended up having to to like it, things were rushed with Renegade at the end for starting the next play. Gotcha. The music was still going as they're up on the line because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they because it got started late. Yeah. And I know some people were saying about oh Renegade, what's the if you haven't been in Heinz Field, you really you, you really well first of all, you can't really have an opinion because you just don't get it. You have to have you have to experience it in the stadium to understand what it's really all about. The, okay. the volume of the noise is what is absolutely insane. Yeah. What it was, it said that was done on the kickoff, and mm-hmm. that noise level held through that series. Yeah. Yeah, it was Coach Tomlin. They were, you know, said, wow. He's like, said that was the most electric Hinesfield crowd he's seen in a regular season game. Um, and I thought that was an electric crowd when I was there when they beat the uh, – when they beat the Patriots um, with the Joe Hayden interception. But let's get back to a couple other things with the game. So you have to admit, Ben Roethlisberger did what he needed to do, managed some stuff. Only 123 passing yards on a, on a ton of attempts. Yeah. So it's not like Ben went out and torched the Browns. He went out and did what he needed to do to get the W, which is exactly what he said in his interview before on Wednesday. Or was it Thursday? I don't, I'm trying to remember. They, if they, they, I think they pushed it back a day because it was a Monday night game. And everything. He's like, hey, all these other things leading up to it. I, you know, oh, you throw a touchdown. I just want to get the W. I don't care if it comes ugly. I want the W. And that's exactly kind of – he got what he asked for, in other words. Yep. It, but I'll be honest with you. I want to know if anyone at the stadium got this feeling because there was times at home I started to get the feeling. I'm like, Najee Harris is running the ball, running the Steelers down the field. You throw in a few couple pass plays, but he's running the ball, getting them down the field. Yes. Then you're getting into the 10-yard line. You're getting to the five-yard line. And you throw and you're times. throwing three passes. Yeah. Just, no one around us could understand that. That was the Oh, only I understand thing. it completely. I, I completely understand it. They were satisfied with the field goals. But yeah. it almost felt like they were trying to get Ben – closer to you know passing people with certain touchdown records it's like they were trying to get the touchdowns coming from ben too much because honestly if you get down there and you run Najee harris just even on the first one and he gets the touchdown then chances are it's going to open it up more the next time for ben so it's like ben i think ben could add another if if the first time they got down there and settled for a field goal if they would have ran Najee harris let him get the touchdown zone i think ben could have thrown it the next time or two he might have had more touchdowns if they just would have done that with Harris in the first place. So, but that's kind of, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. BF Bud, there he is. Loudest it was was during AKA Pittsburgh Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Two point 
the Pittsburgh dad, but dad doppelganger. So, okay. So there was that. Also, when the Steelers in the fourth quarter, I was I got frustrated on two different occasions. I'm pretty sure it was two bef- before that, before the Najee touchdown. Najee would run it for four yards. Steady would run it for three yards or something like that. Sometimes it might have been, you know, bottom line is it's third and three. And in both occasions, they passed it incomplete and punted. No, or sorry, or kick the field goal. Yeah. I couldn't remember which one was which. I think it might have been one field goal, one punt. I'm not 100% sure. Might have even been two field goals. I think because of the way the offense has been all season, they just assume that third and three can't be a running play. And honestly, I'd have been fine with them running Najee Harris. And if he gets a grade and if he doesn't, oh well. Yeah. Even at third and three. And I was kind of getting a little bit frustrated. I'm like, you've got to, you've got to do it. That doesn't work all the time for the Steelers. We know the run games really struggled, but last night that's what you needed to do. And that's, you know, Coach Tom Olakine talks about balance. Balance isn't running equal pass plays and equal run plays. It's the ability to do both. Okay. It's the ability to run either one. They weren't overly balanced last night. They they needed to be more run heavy. And what's crazy is they weren't the running team coming into this, but they sure did run it a lot more than Cleveland did. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's so it, it's not like Ben had the best performance ever. But the bottom well, line is it was he, funny he did what he needed to do. Tim and I talked as we as they were throwing stats up right at halftime. We were like, Ben, 20 of 33 at halftime. Oh, that's 34, I think it was. Yeah. I don't remember something like that. 33 or 30, like he threw that many passes in the first half, completed 20 of them for 96 yards. Yeah. Yikes. Well, think of the number of pass plays they had that went for negative yards. I know. Too. Yep. But but it's so funny because Coach Tom was asked about that throwing the ball so much in the first half. He's like, we had the ball almost the entire first half. We ran a ton of plays. Obviously, you're going to have them, you know. They, they still ran. It's not like they didn't run the ball at all in the first half. They did. They just ran that many plays. They did to the Browns what other teams have been doing to them all season. Yep. So real quick before before we go on, because I want to talk about things going forward here. And I, I wanted to be way – I wanted to already be doing scores by now, but it's all right. The offensive line, a couple things. Not a lot of people say about it. I don't know if it had to do with the change in coach this week. It could have or it could not have. A lot of people want to put it on the change at center because Kendrick Green was injured. I do want to mention stuff about some J.C. Hassenauer and Kendrick Green. I will say that J.C. Hassenauer played better in that game than I've seen Kendrick Green play all season, um, in my opinion. Yes. Doesn't mean that's what you're always going to get from J.C. Hassenauer, but – it, that's what you got last night, and great. You know, I know, I think Matty P said it in here. He's like, I'm so tired of people talking about one game of J.C. Hasenauer like he's the second coming of Dermonte Dawson. No, J.C. Hasenauer was terrible last year. I mean, Jeffrey Bennett went on about it. He was terrible last year. But, man, he played a great game last night. Yes, but did. if that tells you anything, if you could have someone that plays center that, that was as bad as J.C. Hasenauer was last year and he could turn around and play like that this year, it it means that there's that that's just evidence that it can happen, and you got to give Kendrick Green a chance. Doesn't mean you hate him the starting job, but I'm, I'm going to say it here. I've said it to a bunch of other people. Everyone wants to move him to guard. Okay, you know what I'm going to say? I'm, just because I've heard it so much. Okay, stop. Yep. 
if he's not good enough to play center, he's not good enough to play guard. Oh, well, that's where he played in college. Who he gives played, a fucking no, what they no, do? No, no, no. Okay? He played there in college because he was the center. They lost their guard. Mm-hmm. And the backup well, center couldn't play was, guard. Their two play best guard. linemen were, were, they were both centers. And right. the, the other one's coming out this year. I can't remember. I, because we, we talked about those, Matty P after the show, you yeah. know, and, and that the other guy couldn't play guard. So Green could play both. So we did. But just because he played guard in college doesn't mean that he's a pro guard. Okay. Or the, especially in the Steelers system. Now, he might be a good guard in someone else's system but not the way that the Steelers run stuff to bring up the opposite fact. BJ Finney was a center in college for the Steelers. He was a much better guard than center. Yep. Okay. It's just, there's, there's differences there. And my thing is people want to talk about moving to guard. If he stinks at a center, he's not magically going to be fantastic at guard. It just doesn't work that way. He's either good enough to play in the NFL or he's not moving. Him isn't going to be the answer in my opinion. So, because he's already, you're like all the all the problems you have with him as center. Oh, he's not really big enough. He's a, all those problems are even worse if he's a guard. They're they're even worse if he's a guard. So the thing is, he needs to get it together and step up his game going into next year. I'm fine with him not playing this week. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him limited in practice. So they say, oh, he didn't get enough practice in, and that way it's not that he got benched. You know what I'm saying? But to me, don't give up on the fact that he could improve. And if he doesn't, guess what? He's a backup or not even on the team. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but everyone's thinking, oh, move him to guard and blah, blah, blah. If you really look at the offensive line and what they do, he would probably be worse at guard for the Steelers. And so do you want Kendrick Green the way he's playing at center? Now, I know you're saying, well, you're taking away the calls and the responsibilities. That's all things that you can improve on in the offseason. Your knowledge and experience. I mean, he got the experience. All he got to do is improve his knowledge over the offseason. That can improve along with some other things. So that's just that's just uh just what it was. I also and so many people I, I uh, at want, PTSC. I'll, Go ahead. I also want folks out there to know that you know, um, the offensive line last night, it was not like in the game they were suddenly fantastic. Yeah. Um their plat their the pass blocking was still really suspect at times. At times. Um, and in the run game, it was not like they were parting the Red Sea for Najee to run through. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like he was always having these great big holes, but what he was getting was what he had been missing a lot of the season was even, you know, he wasn't getting anywhere because we weren't even giving him a little crack or a crease to run through. Yeah. And there were, you know, we were able to just get him a little bit of space at times last night. And, and that's that could all be needed. subtle things that your coach worked on that week. It yeah. really could be. It could just be, I mean, so many times in coaching, it was like, you know, there are times you want to move a guy. There's times you just want his shoulder pads turned. All you got to do is turn the, turn the shoulder pads of the guy across from you and you have an opening. You know, it all depends on what you're trying to do, your different philosophies. Yep. Um, so that's interesting. Also, on the message board at Behind the Steel Curtain, your one-stop shop for all these Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot of people saying, oh, Joe Hag came in and saved everything when Trey Turner was so terrible. I then had to bring up, okay, if you look at the Steelers, PF, I mean, once again, I'm going PFF grades, but this this just helps to, to go. But this also goes by my eye test. You know who the number one offensive grade was for PFF? It was actually Derek Watt. 
He only played five snaps, but my goodness, he carried the ball, and boy, did he lead the, the through those holes yeah. when they gave him an opportunity. He had the highest grade, only 0.2 behind him, Trey Turner, graded higher than Najee Harris. Trey Turner had an 85.9 run blocking grade. It put him in the top 15 of all offensive linemen for week 17. Joe Haig um, was at the very bottom of the grades. Okay, so there that. Now, something else I wanted to bring up about this. Because there was only there was only two people lower than Joe Haig on the offense for the Steelers when it came to grades. Um, one was Ben Roethlisberger was the lowest, but we understood that. The other was Dan Moore Jr. Once again, they have Dan Moore Jr. Because he's going up against Miles Garrett, they give him terrible grades. Last time he went up against Miles Garrett, they gave him a pass block grade of 0.0, which I called lazy. I'm like, he did not. You're telling me he couldn't do He couldn't have done anything worse when Miles Garrett didn't do much. Miles Garrett didn't do anything in this game either. He had two quarterback nope. hits and one tackle. That yep. was it. He had a Miles, better pass grade. Miles who? Yeah, exactly. And the, and that's the thing. And they're like, oh, well, PFF doesn't take into account the quality of your opponent. They don't. Or so they say they don't. Because they Dan do. Moore Jr. had a 45.7 score. But here's what's here's what's terrible. Listen to this score. How about a 50.9 score? Do you know who had a 50.9? The friggin' right tackle for the Cleveland Browns, James Hudson, who gave up four sacks to TJ Watt and a sack to Derek Tuska. And you're telling me he's grading higher than Dan Moore Jr. that kept Miles Garrett off of the off of the sack tally sheet when Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball how many friggin' times? It it just makes that's no sense. ridiculous. Yeah, that just makes no sense. No, right. So Dan Moore Jr. got a bad score, but he was what he did, and by himself a lot of the times with Miles Garrett and just slowing him down, getting him to take a different angle. I was really happy with what he did. Okay. Yep. We're way over. We're way way over because we still got some things we got to talk to you about scores. We got to talk about going into stuff. Playoffs. Wow. Not out of reach. Playoffs. Yeah. All that matters for the Pittsburgh Steelers is what, like Coach Tom says, we're focused on purple. Go into Baltimore and win. They've dropped five straight games. Now, they've been in those games. But, and yes, the Steelers have not won a road game since they were in Cleveland. But what Coach Tomlin brought up, he's like, well, we haven't played well. We've won a road game since we were in Cleveland. He's like, but part of that was the familiarity of Cleveland. Now, they have familiarity with with, um, the Bengals, but that didn't help. He's like, the familiarity with Baltimore, he's hoping that going into that environment is going to to help them some there. Bottom line is they have to go in and take care of business. If they show up, if the rest of the team shows up in the way that they showed up last night, then I have confidence in this team that Ben Roethlisberger will do enough to get done even if he doesn't play great. All right? So there's that. I told told someone on Twitter when they asked the question, I said, oh, I'm going to talk about this in the show tonight. The problem is, what do the Steelers need in order to make the postseason? Well, as we're waiting at some point after midnight last night to get back on the Clipper to back over to Station Square, somebody yells out to everybody, looks like we're all Jaguar fans this week. You need the Jags to beat the Colts. Then you need to, to there which, not be a tie on Sunday night football. To which them, if there's I a tie, said, there's going to be a big investigation into throwing that game. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to happen. So then I, I spoke up. I didn't yell it as loud as this guy, but I still said it kind of loud. I said, you know, it's kind of tough when you're oh, a <laughs> and you got to root for a team with Jag in it. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, no, he, we're he, all Jags. He 
cracked up. He yeah. thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So you need the Jaguars to beat the Colts. Now it's in Jacksonville. So that's one thing. Here's what's interesting. Okay. Now, not all of these games, although the quote of Jacksonville was quote unquote the home team, I know there was at least one of these games that was in London, at least one. Last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars they had the number one pick overall because they only won one game. You know who they beat? The Colts. <laughs> they beat the Colts in Jacksonville. You know, even when they haven't been doing too well, do you know what the the Jaguars generally do? Get a win at least one against the Colts. They beat the Colts in Jacksonville. Yeah. Or at least when Jacksonville's the home team. You know the last time? No, remember, they're the same division, so they play every year mm-hmm. in Jacksonville or where Jacksonville's the home team. Do you know when the last time was the Jacksonville Jaguars lost to the Colts in Jacksonville? When was that, Dave? That would have been in 2014. No joke. The, the Jaguars have beaten the Colts in Jacksonville six straight games. Six straight years. Well, well, meaning where they're the home team, not necessarily in Jacksonville. The last time the Colts beat the Jaguars, it was when Andrew Luck was throwing touchdown passes to Ahmad Bradshaw and Kobe Fleener. It was when Blake Bortles was throwing touchdowns to Alan Hearns and Cecil Shorts with extra points kicked by Josh Scobie. That's the last time the Colts have beaten the Jaguars in Jacksonville. So now, does that really mean anything? It might mean that they just have a bit of a problem there. Are the Colts still 15-point favorites? Yes, they are. But if there's ever a team that just kind of has the other team's number and and they have to knock them out of the playoffs, that's what I'm saying, geez, that there's a chance. Sure. That's why you got to – that's why some people are like, oh, well – should you should you not play Ben and let that be his last game? Should you not? No. Should you rest? Should you, you play to win the game. You got to no do win. everything on your way. You got to no win. So anything and can go win and let the cards yeah. fall where they may. Yes. So we are way over our time. Uh, I'm going to get scolded by one Brian Anthony Davis, but we have to do our scores. We have to do it. So remember, don't put them in the don't put them in the live chat yet, because Richie's going to do it. We talked almost primarily about last night's game because it happened last night. It was a we're so close to the game yeah. that just happened. So on the Steelers preview, we'll definitely talk more about the Ravens and everything. I'll get a chance to do that. You won't get to. Um, it'll be interesting. But Rich, give us your score so that way we can open it up to everybody else to give their score. All right. Um I see this one. This uh the weather's not supposed to be great uh in Rainy. Baltimore. Um I see this being uh a lot of defense in this game. Um but I also see it as the opportunity that the Steelers grab on that momentum that they got this past week and hopefully go with it. I'm going to call a low-scoring game Steelers 17, Ravens 12. 17 to 12. See, I went low-scoring with last night's game. I said 16-15. Uh, I was really close. And, you know, then they scored – you know, it was it was 1914 there is what you thought it was going to be, but uh, right. it, it worked out 
pretty well otherwise. So here we go. We're going to bring up scores. We're going to read through these fast. I actually have a voice to do it this week. Um, we're going to look at your score. Of course, if you don't have a team, we know you mean Steelers. This this is probably the last time we get to do this this year, unless yep. they unless, unless. unless Pittsburgh takes care of business, which I think is more likely. But you never know if the Jags was going to take care of things. So would it be? Yeah. Don't be a bunch of Jags. Don't be the Jags. Okay, so we got Brian Brown. Okay, he says 22 17 Steelers, Steel Dog 88, 19 16 Steelers win, George Teston, Steelers 23 16, Matt B, 27 16, that's Steelers, BF Bud, 16 13 Steelers, Steelers Pittsburgh says 19 18, more sacks, that's the thing. I want to, want to see this TJ Watt sacks. Okay, Andrew Wilbar, 18, or Steelers 18, Ravens 7, and he's like, um, 18 seasons for number seven. Okay, I love this one. I'm bringing it up. Matt Stuffco, Jacksonville 28, Colts 27. Nice. <laughs> love it. Matt, I love it. it. Gotta, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rob Thytoff, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I hope I got close. that right, Rob. 15 to 7 Steelers with Boz having five field goals. Woo. Five for the boss. Boss knocked him through last night like nothing. 50, like 48, nothing. 50 right down the middle. Didn't matter. Okay. Sean H. Steelers 17, Ravens 13. Jag just uh Jag just got, got as long as they went. I whatever he said there. Okay, Reginald Rivers, 1916 Steelers. Kathy Forrid, 2410 Steelers. Uh Christopher 11, 1916 Steelers. That's a common one. Look for terrible towels in Jacksonville stands on Sundays. I had someone ask me that on Twitter. I'm like. I don't know, man. I'd rather stay home and watch Ben Roethlisberger's final yeah, game. But, but they said, well, you can stream it in the stands while you're there. I'm like, if the tickets are cheap, sure. It's probably nice weather. Maybe maybe do that. Maybe you might see Steelers fans there. Okay. Kelvin Colbert Sr., 2317 Steelers. George OTJ, 2716 Steelers. Dusk Thunder, 1310 Steelers. Oh, sorry, Dusk Thunder, nine. Sorry. There you go. Um, I thought I got Steel Dog 88 before, but I can't remember. No, I don't know. Uh, Steelers, 2417. DGs, NSOM, 2410. Steelers, defense comes up big again. I can see that. There's Tim. He was there Timmy, with me last night. Timmy 16, P. 13 Steelers. Okay. Terry Glover, Steelers, 20 to 15. Um, X Eddie B. Zero to 28 halftime, 29 28 Steelers five. But <laughs> <laughs> the Steelers go for two like Wang Harbs did, and but they actually get it. Yeah, um, that's what it is. Um, that, yep. Yeah, Richard Adamson said punters are going to have a field day, 18 15. We didn't even talk about the punter, but we couldn't talk about another it. time. Yeah. Um, Russ says, I'm going with the, I'm, I'm going to the Ravens game too. Steelers 28, Ravens 17. Wow. I, I go represent, Russ. Go, go represent. Go represent. Okay. Um, outside Steelers fans said, good guys, 20, Ratbird, 16. Defense picks off Jackson and final draft win. If he can if even play. Jackson. He, he, went back, he went back for a practice last week. They said he was hobbling and limping so bad. They're like, the, the, the reporters are like, this is just sad. So it's going to take an awful lot to see if that happens. Um, Josh Parker, Steelers, 19, Ratbirds, 10. Maddie P, 2616 Steelers. Jennifer Presser, sure, Jennifer, sure. Um, 1310 Steelers. Occam's Ox, who I never got the name right until he spelled it out for me. 1310, typical Steelers Ravens game, Boz at the buzzer. That's a thing. I think the Steelers have the second best kicker in the NFL, and unfortunately, the best kicker is in the same 
not even the same conference, but the same division. Okay. Um, the CUDA 70 from the city of ketchup Steelers, 28 Ratbird 16. No one, you know, 22, 16 for Ben's true last ride. Never ender 24, 21 Steelers. Um, uh, Maddie P says more likely Jacksonville 10 Colt six. Um, oh man, Jacksonville gave up 50 to new England. My goodness. Um, Tyler W 28, 21 Steelers going with the, going with the traditional one. I like it. Mark Tobin, 25, 14 Steelers. Why she said Steelers 25, 14, but I can read things backwards. Brian Blackstock Steelers, sorry, Stillers 23, 19 TJ two sacks. Let's go. Okay. Timothy James O'Connell, 27, 20 Steelers, 31, 27 Jaguars. I'd love it. I'm not banking on that. I'm not banking on the Jags winning. That would just be like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing thing ever. Um, I'm already have set in my mind. The Steelers need to do what they need to do. I'm not counting on the Jaguars. I'm not going to be disappointed by them. Watch them keep it close and then break my heart. Clarence Washington says Steelers 24-17. Watch going to have three sacks. Okay. Uh, Felicia Ballard. Hey, Felicia. A hey, 14-10 Steelers. Um, Mark keeps it out there as, with an LOL. Still need that high draft pick. Um, I'm looking. Uh, Russ has Jags 31, Colts 21. Um, lots of predictions there with people. Um, <laughs> Chargers Raiders zero to zero. Come on, Mark D. <laughs> Hold on, that that equal, one? That, you said that equals that I'm a I'm a bungle. Oh, that's what. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Um, Joshua Shields twenty three sixteen Steelers. Okay. Um, Steel Dog eighty eight says apparently there are two of us. Lol, that's funny. Um, Devin Logan, there's one Steelers twenty seven fourteen. You missed this one. I missed one. Oh, okay. Michael Hathaway says Steelers 21-14 with Ray Lewis in attendance. I don't know about Ray Lewis. I think Suggs is like their – they've been doing like a throwback player of the game. I think it's Suggs. Ron Chess has Steelers 23-17. Um, I think I think that's everybody. Okay. No, Elvis Ruiz, Steelers 26-24 to winners. Wow. I'm going to get in trouble for bad because of the length of this podcast. I'm really sorry about that. But, hey, make sure you're tuning in to Behind the Steel Curtain with all our family of podcasts. We we should be back on schedule now for the rest of the week. Um, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Rich, any closing thoughts here for us? Hey, wrapping up uh, end of the 2021 regular season. Yeah, us against the Ratbirds. Guess what? Can't wait. 